so great to have this uh, young man, maybe not so young anymore, but <laughs> uh, our young man, Terence Channer, who uh, is a lawyer and he's, uh, would you call yourself an activist? Yeah, I would say I am very much into anti-racism and social justice. I, I, my mm. practice area is, uh, there's three main practice areas, healthcare law, police mm-hmm. misconduct, and the third one being uh, injury. And I do a bit of professional negligence, but a lot of my um, vocal, um, I'm gonna put it, my, my, my passion in terms of how I vocalize relates to issues in respect of police policing, mm. how it affects the black community and right. healthcare as well. So yeah. Well, so you, you've had a bird's eye and close up view of what's been going on in the role that you do. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. I I, I would say that I'm on I'm on the coal face mm. for one of a better phrase. It's it's a bit of a pun, isn't it? Black community and coal face. <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So um before we uh just get into the deepness of everything, thought we'd look at um success and defining success. But before I ask that question. I'm going to ask you a random, random question. And that question is, I think I know what the answer is. If you were any type of musical instrument, what instrument would you be and why? Well, that's an easy, that's an easy question to answer. Uh, I am um, a guitarist Mm. and so it would have to be the guitar. Mm. There are instruments that I love to hear. I mean, I think if you are a bit of a jazz head, yeah. I am a bit of a jazz head. You get you get to like a, a range of jazz instruments. Yeah, I, I, I think the in, in jazz, I think the I think the the horns. I think you've got to say the horns have in jazz. I mean, as much as I love the likes of Oscar Peterson and the rest of them, I think in jazz the horn players uh, Pippet, don't they? Yeah, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, Triumvirate there. Um, but yeah, as as um, I play guitar. Big, big Wes Montgomery, George Benson fan. So, yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah. What is it that you do now, and uh, why do you do it? What's what motivates you to do what you do? Well, I'm very fortunate in that I work in an area of law that I am very passionate about, mm. and like I said, I do healthcare, actions against the police, injury. And professional negligence. Now, the area probably of the most interest, media-wise and social justice-wise, is policing, mm. followed very closely by healthcare. And in fact, healthcare, yeah. depending on the issue, healthcare, you could say, 
is, is more primary depending on so for instance right now in a pandemic mm. healthcare in relation to vaccination is now uh, um, a prior a priori a priority a primary issue yeah so I always talk about B5 of healthcare, education, housing, employment, and criminal justice. And obviously healthcare and, and criminal justice are two of the big uh, policy areas. Yeah. I would say in any general election across the globe, any democracy, if you put climate change and immigration to one side, you have that core fight. Mm -hmm. And, and this probably will, will lead on quite nicely to the issue of, yeah. of success because those five areas effectively encapsulate what we need for living. Yeah, that is true. We need a house. Mm, shelter. We need a, a, a housing. So we need a house. We need, we need an education, schooling mm. or university, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so housing, uh, um, education, then employment. Mm. So housing education, healthcare, hospital, mm. and criminal justice. So the, the big five in any election in the democratic world, in fact, anywhere, yeah. because we know that the when we talk about the economy, mm. so when I say employment, I, I effectively mean employment, the economy. Yeah. Politicians, when they're campaigning, talk about jobs and job creation. Yeah. And so employment and the and job creation is linked to the economy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's inextricably linked. So those big five policy areas, we all need a job for income. Mm -hmm. and that will have an, a knock-on effect on families and, and, and happiness. Yeah. And somewhere to live. Um, the dreams that we have often involve us going to work. Mm -hmm. Self-esteem we derive from going to work and earning an income, mm. getting a mortgage, or as we say in Jamaica, mortgage. Mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, these are big, big areas and, and healthcare, wow, if you do happen to fall sick, mm. then we have a healthcare system in this country that Thankfully. Has, its, has its problems. But I, I tell you now, um, the, the NHS is dear to my heart. Yeah. It's lots of problems. It's creaking at the seams, but it's dear to my heart. The healthcare. Yeah. So yes, and then criminal justice. Mm. We see not a day goes by that we don't have an issue with policing, whether yeah. it being this country or another country. Yeah. And mm. SARS in Nigeria. Uh, we have the George Floyd trial at the moment. We have the yeah the shooting of thirteen year old Toledo. A Latino boy mm. at the end of March. The video footage has just been released, mm. and the recent foot shooting of the twenty-year-old. Yeah. So policing is forever in the news. Yeah. So my two areas, healthcare and policing, mm. are big policy areas. Yeah. So you're passionate about all these areas, and why are you passionate about it? Let's look at policing. Mm. I am. A black man. Yeah. I have been stopped by the police on suspicion of drug dealing. Mm. I'm a lawyer. I'm a person of, of good character. Mm. You can't become a solicitor um, and have these types of criminal mm. records or conduct. Clearly, 
I'm a person of good character. But the reason why I was stopped and it was clear to me was because I was a black man mm. driving a certain car yeah. in a certain area. So I was profiled. Mm. So you ask me, why do I have a passion? Well, commonly people have a passion for doing things because they have experience and personal experience of something. Yes. So for instance, Dorian Lawrence has a passion for what she does. Why? Because she has personal experience of the criminal justice system and how it failed. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm not saying that I'm comparing myself in any way to Dorian Lawrence. What I'm saying is, is that where you have a lived experience, mm. it engenders passion. Mm. That's what it does. It does. Because I've experienced this, and, and as a black as a black person growing up in this country, mm. and especially as a black man. Um, my experience of policing from a personal perspective mm. been insightful yeah and um, it's certainly instructive it's a huge thing because um, I'd love to say that I've never had any interactions with the police in a negative sense but yeah I've been stopped in yeah you seem to fit the profile of XYZ blah blah there's no apology or anything it's just alright on your way so when I walk out my door and I see a police car I'm wondering when are they going to stop me next and then you worry about your children yeah, of course you know the, the things that they're going through especially when it's our lads as well the boys you know trying to explain you know to your son oh don't wear this type of clothes you know walk with certain people um, so that you're, you're not stopped you know if a policeman you know um, stops you be as polite as you possibly can um, but it's hard. It's just it's just hard. You know, why do we have to go through all this all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally, totally am with you. We're on the same page because it, it, it's effectively a lived experience that we have with a black man, particularly black men, because we know that stop and search really is about the over-policing of black men. Mm. And that is not something that is unique to any Western country because racism has no boundaries. And the reason why we see it more acutely in policing is because of police powers. Where there is much power, there needs to be much responsibility. Yeah. So racism in society, mm. when that's translated to racism in the police force, mm. and the operative word is force, police force, when racism is being practiced in an area of society where there is uh, lawful power, mm. it's frightening because if you are inclined to behave in a racist way, mm. and you de- you've and thank the law that we don't have by and large, yes, of course we've got firearms officers, but the majority of officers in this country do not carry firearms unlike in America. So thank the Lord, we do not have a gun culture in this country. Yeah, I think I would be dead long time. Well, if we had a gun culture in this country and we had an armed police force, I can tell you now, these numbers would be, would have rocketed up. Yeah. We don't have, we have deaths in custody, of course, and deaths at the hands of, of the police. Mm. They are there and they are, they are cause for concern, particularly with, with black men, because we're only 3% of the population. But in terms of death in custody, we're eight point something percent. So almost three times the rate. So it's, it's hugely disproportionate. And if we had guns, oh wow, yeah, then we would we expect to see more black men dead at the hands of the police. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my passion is is through lived experience. And for, fortunately for me, yes, I've been stopped. And, and weirdly enough, perhaps it's not even weird stopped on suspicion of drug dealing, which was so outrageous. It was clearly a racist stop. I was racially profiled. But 
I think I'm a bit like you. I am equipped to deal with a stop. Yeah. I am equipped to say to an officer, how can I help you? How can I assist? Mm. And that approach is very calm, very authoritative, and it, it's, it commands respect. But not all black men, particularly young black boys, have that in their armory. And so what happens is they get roughed up or they react in a certain way or they run or whatever. And it escalates to a point where they're either arrested for assault police officer or something or for some for, for some other reason. So that's the problem. I, You and I, we are equipped to say, how can I assist you? It, it commands respect. And, and when I was stopped on suspicion of drug dealing, then I got out of my car and I said, how can I, how can I help you? That mission was aborted. Hmm. That mission was scaled down to the lowest level because I didn't, fit, I didn't fit the profile. I didn't fit the profile because one, I look you in the eye and I ask you, how can I assist you? What's the, what's the issue? And, and when you get that, they're like, oh, okay. It doesn't sound like... Roadman. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a roadman. <laughs> it, it doesn't fit the profile. So we're fortunate that we are able to, to stand tall. Yeah. Maybe there should be a, a forum. Um, I don't know, some kind of training of how to deal with the police, <laughs> you know, because boy. Yeah, well, when, when I've done talks, on police encounters mm. I, I always say look and it's made a lot of the time i'm actually speaking to parents and i say look tell your children your boys particularly your black boys that it is not disrespectful to look someone straight in the eye mm. because i think there is a cultural uh, feeling and i knew that when i was growing up and i'm, I'm pretty confident you experience the same thing that yeah. if you look straight into an adult's eye it's considered to be disrespectful rude exactly rude fiesta as we used to say yeah and you, you had to hang your head and look down mm -hmm. and that was a sign of compliance and, and humility or whatever and, and, and in fact I don't think we should be teaching our children and I think mm. this, our generation now I think most of them have stopped that they said well actually no you know if you are going to talk to me mm. you need the confidence to go to look me in the eye don't be scowling or frowning mm. there's a way to look somebody in their eye and speak clearly and speak clearly and mm. do it respectfully that's it because the, the body language the facial body language mm. We can send any signal from our faces yeah just with our muscles and there's a reaction from that exactly you could still look someone straight in the eye mm. and look humble yeah and remorseful yeah but still keep your your eye contact with the other person that's the most important thing eye contact as well eye contact yeah so i mm. think that what i say to young young men and the parents of young black men mm. is that look Speak clearly, make eye contact, maintain eye contact, mm. and um, ask the officer, hello, how can I assist you? Put on your best voice. How can I assist you? Straight in the eye. A bit like customer service. How can I help you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This podcast was brought to you by Face to Face Dialogue. <laughs>